Hello and welcome to another edition of College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman, and I am joined by Xavier Trish and Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, what is going on, man? Well, based on our uh, previous few weeks going through all the Power Five, I am rested up and ready for what I expect to be about a three or four hour podcast as we go team by team through <laughs> no each way. group of five conference. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I tell you what, it would be about a 17 hour podcast if we were going the way the pace that we were last week. But we are going to lightning round this, right, Xavier? You're on my team, yes. right? Lightning I am round. definitely on the lightning round team. Yes, yeah. yes. So we're doing independence and G5 schools this week. Uh, this is a preview looking at all these teams. And we are going to dive right in. Remember, you can find us at uh, CFBWinningEdge.com. And you can find us on the Patreon, patreon.com slash CFBWinningEdge. And you can find us all on Twitter at CFBWinningEdge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish for Xavier, at Bogman Sports for me. So we're going to start with independent teams here, Nick. And uh, I'm going to name off all the teams. So uh, you, you'll just talk about whatever you want here. Um, we've got uh, Massachusetts, uh, New York, uh, New York, New Mexico, uh, the uh, New Mexico State, the Aggies, Liberty Flames, BYU, and Army. And I see Army is projected to go 11 and 2. I mean, that's, uh, that's a pretty big projection there, Nick. What do you see in Army? Well, so it's interesting. Again, all, all of these uh, ratings and rankings that we'll be talking about are based on our team strength team strength ratings, which is not a projected order of finish. It's based on uh, their roster strength and their coaching uh, ratings mesh together and, and throw it all into a formula, see what spits out. It's not our opinion. So uh, when we say Army is favored to win 11 games, that, that was a bit of a shock to me. I know a lot of people are high on Army. They're getting some votes uh, in the coaches' poll, the you know top 25, and a lot of people think they can really build on what was a great year last year. So looking at their actual roster strength, um, they don't rate particularly high, and that's because service academies don't get you know, a whole lot of really even three-star prospects. Most of the players on their roster are guys that were unrated coming out of high school or maybe, you know, high two-star, maybe the occasional low three-star. So I was surprised to see that they're favored in 11 games, but that does include a handful of toss-ups. They've got, uh, looks like one, two, three, four, five games that we've got them projected uh, within four points. So a lot of things could go either way um but one that really sticks out to me and this is obviously they're they're a big underdog by our numbers but we saw what army could do last year against oklahoma really give team fits in week two uh they play michigan they go to the big house and because we expect them uh to be favored in 11 of the other games and the only other game that they're an underdog is by half a point at Hawaii at the end of the season, if they can somehow knock off Michigan, Army has the potential to run the table. And they really could, you know, not only be a top 25 team, I and mean, we could see them in a, a pretty big bowl at the end of the year if that were to happen. Don't expect it to happen. Michigan <laughs> should <laughs> win, obviously. I was going to say, what uh, would you do if Army beat Michigan in the big house? It, it would be pretty exciting. I mean, I, I don't necessarily you know, 
root for teams uh, most of the time, but I, I am old school in a lot of ways. And, and you know, in, in the past, I've written a lot about, you know, Heisman Trophy winners and things like that. And uh, Army is, is a name that, you know, cropped up as far as one of the national elite, you know, decades ago. It'd be fun to, to see him really be a factor on a national level. Um, so it's it's an opportunity to be a really exciting year for Army. Um, and according to our metrics, they're really the only team we expect a whole lot out of uh, from this independent group. BYU just has an absolutely brutal schedule, particularly in the front half. So even though uh, they've got a lot of talent and they've done some good things and Zach Wilson at the quarterback position uh, really has the potential to, to be a really, really good player this year as a sophomore, um, we only have them favored in in four games um they could certainly challenge for a bowl but uh they're the really the only other team we would expect to make a run at a bowl game out of this good lord i did not see this schedule utah at tennessee usc washington at toledo at south florida boise at utah state i mean that is a rough rough schedule xavier any Mm -hmm. of these independent teams uh you know give you any good feelings outside of army here well, if Army beats Michigan, I can't wait to see all the khaki pants that get burned up there. So that would be really, really cool to see. <laughs> I mean, um, he would be fired the next day, right? Oh, that would be awesome because I don't like Harbaugh. But, no, who um, does? <laughs> Nobody does. Um, BYU is a team I, I, I would count. like. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> he likes to go against the grain. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would love to see BYU spoil a couple of seasons. Uh, you know, they get USC at home, they get Utah at home, they get Washington at home. Those three teams, I would love to see BYU beat all of those teams, um, to be honest with you. I think BYU could spoil a lot of seasons. The team I'm looking for them to spoil the most is I'm looking at that South Florida game, um, October 12th. I think that depending on how BYU has gone through the gauntlet of the first four games, as you read off, they could be. They, they could have a lot of confidence going against a South Florida team that you know is definitely going to be challenging uh, in the AAC this year. Uh, but BYU could could definitely knock them off their rocker and uh, you know derail their season. BYU is going to be playing spoiler from you know the first kickoff of the season, and I think that if they can rattle off a couple of huge wins, I know that we only have them projected at four wins this year, but you know we've seen BYU go into places like Nebraska and win. So I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked to see BYU knock off a few of these teams this season. And if they do, uh, you can come back to this podcast and give me some kudos. <laughs> well, they beat Wisconsin last year. So, I mean, they've done it right. recently, too. So yeah. they're, they're going to be uh, a difficult out for a lot of teams. And even though we only have them favored in four, we project them to win 5.7. So they, they should mathematically knock off, you know, one or two teams that are uh, more highly rated. But... Um, They'll be underdogs yeah, in all those so games, but no one will be surprised if they win. It. I, exactly. I, I think that's kind of how BYU has always operated, or at least for the last few years. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let, let's go over to the AAC East. And I mean, uh, it's funny to me that you even put UConn on this list. I'm glad I'm glad John isn't here, but uh, UConn is terrible. Uh, Temple is also in this division with ECU, who's always fun, especially offensively and watching Holton Aylers. Uh, the Bearcats, USF Bulls, and the UCF Knights, of course. Got the Knights projected to go 12-0, Nick. I mean, uh, this has always been a fun team to watch, but 12-0 is daunting. So UCF 
a 12 and 0 projection is uh it makes me a little bit nervous i know a lot of people are um expecting the knights to take a step back this year um i've heard some you know voices college football voices that i respect call for uh, maybe just 10 wins this season so something like that is uh definitely in the realm of possibility we actually only uh project ucf to win nine games on average so there are uh, some tough games on the schedule, some toss-ups. A lot of things will have to go right for them to run the table again this year. But uh, when we look at the talent numbers, it really is no surprise that we've got UCF uh, projected to be the favorite in all 12 regular season games. As far as their roster strength goes, this is the 21st uh, strongest roster in the country. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, you know, obviously that means top 25 talent. This is a team that can step toe to toe against anybody um, on the field from a talent standpoint. And that's a big reason why we actually have them ranked 14th in the country, which seems high to me. And perhaps it's slightly inflated because uh, Josh Heupel only has one uh, season under his belt as head coach, so his head coach rating might be perhaps a little bit inflated from that small sample size. But this is a good team. Uh, we've got them favored against Stanford, obviously, um, which we're probably higher than just about anybody on Stanford, uh, or at least you know our, our uh, projections are. Um, so it makes me a little bit nervous that that they're uh, projected so high, but. You know, when I when I dig into the numbers, I, I can't really argue it that much. USF similarly is uh, the second most talented team in the conference, both from a roster strength standpoint and from their average two four seven sports ratings. Um, the Bulls we have projected to win ten games, which is about what we had last year. They got off to a great start, but really sort of fell apart. Um, I, I I can't make up my mind which. Uh, I see happening this season. Um, there have been a lot of things about Charlie Strong in the past that I, I did like a lot, uh, particularly as a as a defensive coach, but um, mm-hmm. hasn't exactly translated um, <laughs> as a uh, as a head coach. Uh, I forgot about the the Texas connection uh-huh. there. Uh, I did. You heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so so uh, we were pretty high on USF last year, and they got off to a great start, but they did disappoint. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if if something similar happens this year. And uh, number three on this list is probably the one that's going to stick out. Maybe as much as anybody will talk about today. Cincinnati obviously had a an incredible season last year, and they bring so much back on both offense and defense. Um, and both the offense and defense were basically top 25 units statistically last year. So um, for us to only have the Bearcats projected to win five games is a bit of a shock. And, and people probably, uh, you know, some might even just look at that and, and dismiss CFB winning edge altogether, but uh, again, when you when you look a little bit closer at the numbers, Cincinnati played a, a pretty uh, manageable schedule last year. They were obviously good. They did a uh, you know showed a ton of improvement over Luke Fickle's first season, but um, this year the talent or excuse me the schedule is much much tougher. Um, their cross division opponents 
are tougher. They play Ohio State in the non-conference. They also play Marshall in the non-conference, um, who we'll talk about later is, is you know, a pretty uh, solid team, especially defensively. So, um, you know, throw in that they also have to play Houston and, and Memphis. And, and, and those are both know, on the road. Houston exactly. and Memphis. So, and so it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be tough. I mean, Cincinnati should be a bowl team again. You know, it, it wouldn't uh, completely surprise me if they win eight or nine games. But the fact that we only have them favored in five, I think, speaks to one, the the difficulty of the schedule. But two, this isn't, you know, an upper tier AAC roster. They're ranked seventh in roster strength in the conference, uh, fourth in average 247 rating. So even from a pure talent standpoint, you know, they're not going to be the most talented team on the field in three of their conference games. So, um, you know, I, I, I really didn't like seeing that five and seven, uh, projection, but then once I looked into the numbers a little bit more, I've, I've come around a bit. I don't think it'll be quite that bad. I think seven or eight wins, but, um, we're probably lower on Cincinnati than just about anybody. What do you think about the AAC, Xavier? I like it. First off, this is one of my favorite conferences to watch outside of the power five. Um, now and in recent years, honestly, but I think, to go over the first two teams, UCF and USF, I think both of them have questions at the quarterback position. In Brandon Wonbush at uh, UCF, the Notre Dame transfer, and at USF, uh, Blake Barnett, the Alabama transfer, who he did play last season for uh, USF, but everybody will remember him for committing to Alabama as a five-star quarterback maybe four years ago, three or four years ago. Um, both of them, in my opinion, have to have better seasons than what they did last year for their teams to replicate their win total. Um, let's start with UCF. You know, we all know Mackenzie Milton's out for the season and Brandon Wimbush is filling humongous shoes. And for him to have any success at UCF and for him to uh, for UCF to have any long term success this season, he's going to have to play better than what he did in 2018. We all know he got benched for Ian Book after throwing four touchdowns and six interceptions were his stats for last year. He's going to have to bounce back. You know, you're going to want to see more of a 2017 type performance. But even then. He only threw for 16 touchdowns and six interceptions. And in the AAC, where it looks like their scores are like 42 to 37 every week, <laughs> you're going to have to put up points, okay? And Brandon Wimbush, you're going to have to fill those shoes this year. So if he does, if he comes out sluggish, uh, you know, especially in that Stanford game, Stanford has seen him more than once. So it's not like they're going to be surprised by what he can and cannot do as they Good play point. Notre Dame pretty regularly. I would not be surprised if uh, you know UCF doesn't go 12 and 0 as our numbers project. As far as USF concern is concerned, I can never trust USF for 12 games. Maybe for seven, but never for 12. They they seem to 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 fall off the rails. They're not very consistent. It always takes maybe one or two losses for them to all of a sudden take a nosedive, and they finish the year maybe eight and four, nine and three, somewhere around there. So our 10 and two projections, I think, is you know. It's not too far off, but when you put in the factor that they might lose a game here and they have, you know, they have the the opportunity to falter after a game loss like that, then it it kind of scares me for me to go for 10 wins as it has projected projected. And Blake Barnett for me has to show everybody in the country why he was a five star. Last year his stats were okay. Um, for a starting quarterback. I think this year he has to show he's a five-star. He has to show why Alabama gave him a scholarship in the first place. And if he does, I can see USF, you know, running the table in this uh, in that division and uh, challenging UCF and being a real, real challenge for them. 
Um, as far as Cincinnati is concerned, I think the numbers are wrong here. I know that they play one heck of a schedule, but I like Cincinnati. And I might be a little biased because their best player, Kevin Muhan, was a teammate of mine in high school. Um, but uh, I like Cincinnati. I like Desmond Ritter. After his season last year, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions in his first year at the helm. I think he's going to have another great season um, and, you know, pad his stats. I know that they play teams like UCLA on the schedule, but I would not be shocked if they won eight or nine games and were ranked like they were last year at some point. All right, moving over to the AAC West. And if you thought there's a lot of offense in the East, the West has, you know, <laughs> I get, not counting Navy, Tulsa, Tulane, SMU, Memphis, and Houston. It is just nonstop offense with, I mean, these are going to look like basketball scores, some of these games <laughs> here, Nick. I mean, what do you think about, uh, I mean, is Memphis going to easily win the West again, or do you think Houston can push them? SMU's got a lot of transfers. What do you think of uh, this West in the AAC? Well, so this is where what I was saying earlier, and I, and I always try to mention this anytime uh, we get together and, and record, uh, that the uh, rankings, the ratings are one thing and how things play out are another. And the ratings really only inform um, sort of a, a starting point for us. So Memphis is ranked 30, uh, 39th in the country and second overall in the AAC. Um, but we actually have them projected to come in second place in the West to Houston, who is uh, the fourth rated team in the conference and 49th in the country. And that's because, of course, uh, the schedule. Houston uh, hosts Memphis um, in week 12. So uh, because of that and because these teams have a pretty similar ratings, I know there's 10 spots between them, but but they're pretty similar. And of course, um, the home field advantage uh, points that, that get added to um, our uh, projections favor Houston. So we expect them to, to come out ahead. Um, and absolutely, you hit it on the head with offense. Houston is loaded offensively. I mean, a quarterback, Derek King, is just an incredible player to watch. He put up 50 touchdowns total last year, and he only played in 11 games. So if he stays healthy, uh, the Cougars are, are going to put up just huge, huge numbers. Um, he's obviously not the only player uh, on the field either. I mean, there's talent uh, at running back, there's talent in the receiving core. It's probably the deepest receiving core in the AAC. Um, and though they did lose a first-round uh, defensive lineman uh, in Ed Oliver, uh, and the defense was pretty bad, obviously. <laughs> I um, think they were dead last against the run last year. Oh, yeah, they were awful. <laughs> it, it it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle, and and that probably helped maybe a little bit uh, the offensive numbers because they were you know got the ball back so quickly after the opponent scored. But um, going through our our uh, team profiles, and and of course we've got uh, individual player ratings for over eleven thousand uh, players in all one hundred and thirty teams. Uh, I'm counting three uh, transfers from Power Five schools that are in the two deep might end up starting uh and then three junior college players one of uh no excuse me four junior college transfers two of which are in the starting lineup in our projected depth charts and two that are also in the two deep so a lot of new faces on defense and of course dana holgerson is there um he doesn't have a, a terrific track record uh for defense coming from west virginia but you know th there's 
reason to hope at least that perhaps overall uh, the talent level on defense is, is a little bit better at Houston this year. Uh, Memphis, obviously they're the, the two-time defending division champs. They're going to be uh, explosive again on offense. Um, do have to to fill holes with a couple of draft picks. Uh, Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard were two of the most exciting players in the conference and, and possibly even America to watch. I mean, those guys just looked like they were shot out of the cannon every time they got their hands on the football. Um, but Brady White coming back at uh, quarterback, and he'll be back next year as well. Got a, a sixth year of eligibility, granted. Um, and Patrick Taylor at running back is uh, definitely going to step in and do big things at the running back position. Uh, and they might have the the best uh, overall receiver in the conference in Tamonte Coxie. So uh, Memphis is loaded again on offense. Uh, defensively, mm, maybe. They've got a, a pretty good defensive line, pretty good linebacking core, but the secondary uh, looks like it could be a little bit of an issue. Um, and then the last team I want to hit on is SMU, who we actually have ranked 53rd overall, which uh, is surprisingly high. We project the Mustangs to be favored in eight games, and they're probably going to win seven or so on average. Um, this team got a, a huge talent injection from the transfer portal. Uh, Shane Bouchelle at quarterback, the former Texas uh, starter, is, you know, obviously gave them an upgrade uh, at that position, um, at least on paper, it seems. Uh, he came in as a, a really highly uh, rated player has 19 games starting experience, has done some good things. Uh, defensively, they, they've they upgraded as well. They've got uh, two other uh, Power 5 transfers that we know are going to be eligible, and a couple of more we're still waiting to hear whether or not they'll be able to suit up this year. Um, so look out for the Mustangs. They could do uh, some good things, and they could make life uh, difficult for uh, Houston and Memphis specifically, and and really anybody else that they uh, come across throughout the rest of the schedule as well. Got that Shane Bouchelle transfers, Xavier. I like SMU this year a little bit as well. <laughs> what, what do you think of the AAC West here? I think it's a two horse race. Uh, I think SMU is a fun, going to be a fun team to watch, but I think it's Houston and Memphis. He just all steps the way. right on it, Nick. No heart. <laughs> yeah. Just steps yeah. right on it. I mean, lots of transfers are great, but lots of transfers also means there's going to be an acclimation period. And when you're not the best team in the conference, but you're the or in the division, but you're the third best team in the division, that doesn't bode well for you as far as winning the division. I'm, I'm sorry, SMU fans. I didn't mean to like you know in your dreams like that fast. Sorry, uh, but when you look at Houston. It's all based on the quarterback, in my opinion. Um, and I feel like it's been that way for a while now. You know, I'm just going to rattle off a couple of names that have gone and played at Memphis where it's been mostly the quarterback and Case Keenum, Kevin Cobb, and Greg Ward Jr. Um, as recently as him. Derek King is amazing. I don't, I, I don't know how many expletives and words I could use to describe, you know, his value to this program and his value to this team. And he's going to be the reason why they win, their, win or lose its, this division, as Greg Ward Jr. was when he was there. Um, in his junior season, when Greg Ward was there, he played very well. And they went and they beat Florida State in the in – in I believe it was a New Year's Six Bowl game um, in one of the last years of the Georgia Dome. And in the, and in the year next, Greg Ward didn't have nearly as good of a year, and Houston didn't finish as high. I think Derek, has, Derek King has to have that kind of season for Houston to – you know, win this division. He's going to have to play as well or better than he did last year um, 
And I think that with the talent around him, he could definitely do that. When I look at Memphis, I just see a balanced team. Um, I just see a team that you know is poised to to knock to beat Houston um, and win the division overall. You know, you look at their talent all across the board according to our metrics, except for on the offensive line. You just see 90s and 90s in their in our VGR plus rating, and that just bodes well for a team. You know, I know they went eight and six last year. But I don't see them having nearly as bad of a season. You know, I, I think that our projected wins for them of 10 is right on par with where I have them after looking at their talent. And I think Memphis is going to, uh, you know, compete in every single ball game. They're going to be the better team in most games. And I wouldn't be surprised if they also win the conference. Um, I'm not saying they, they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could challenge the conference as well. All right, let's go to the Mountain West, and we'll start. I like how they break up the conferences here to the Mountain and the West. So <laughs> we'll start with the Mountain, and we got Air Force in here, Colorado State, New Mexico Lobos, Utah State, uh, Wyoming, and Boise State, of course, being far and away the number one in the Mountain, Dick. And it's just it's been Boise State at the top for a while, and you know Utah State and Wyoming have good squads. But I think we're going to see more of Boise State holding the crown, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks that way, you know, at least on paper or, or on, on spreadsheet. I mean, they, they're still the most talented team in the conference. Um, they rank second in roster strength in the league, and they rank first in average 247 sports rating. So uh, from a position-by-position, player-by-player team this is still the the team to beat however uh only one other uh fbs program lost a larger share of its roster strength from uh, the end of the 2018 season um so boise state is is starting over in a lot of places uh it's still everything i've seen it, it seems like a three uh person quarterback uh, battle. I'm not sure who is is going to win that. It looked for a while, or at least coming into the season, I, I thought Chase Cord and and the true freshman Hank uh, Bachmeyer were were going to be battling it out. But then it seems also there's there's a senior Jalen Henderson uh, who really is the most experienced uh, player. So I shouldn't be too surprised, but he's in the mix as well. Um, and according to some uh, in recent weeks, might even have the inside track. So not sure what's going on there. The same seems to be uh happening at the running back position i know a lot of people are high on andrew van buren um the sophomore you know whoever steps in uh at that spot is probably going to be you know a thousand yard rusher i mean they, they just seem to churn them out every year um receiver you know the, there's talent there but uh, again inexperience i mean they lost uh, more than 50% of their production uh, at all three levels, um, 98% of their passing, 70% of their rushing, and, and 55% of their receiving yards from last year. So uh, a lot of new faces, particularly on offense. Uh, the defense should be stingy once again. Uh, one of the best players, one of the best pass rushers probably in all of college football, Curtis Weaver, um, should continue to wreak havoc on Mountain West offenses. Um, and Boise State is pretty fortunate that it seems the rest of the division uh, is is a bit weaker, perhaps, than it was two or three years ago. Um, we actually have Wyoming as the number two team in uh, this division, which was a bit of a surprise to me. I know some Utah State fans out there are probably uh, – 
pretty upset to hear that the Aggies are ranked 100th in the country and sixth overall in the uh, conference. So uh, a big reason for that is they're they're starting over perhaps even uh, uh, in some ways more so than Boise State. They only return two starters on offense. Now, fortunately, one of them is Jordan Love, who might be you know, a first round NFL draft pick uh, before long, based on a lot of the things I'm hearing. And, and they also have a 100 rated uh, linebacker as well, who who is, you know, potentially along with Weaver, the best defender in the Mountain West. That's David Woodward. So um, there is some high level talent uh, at Utah State, but uh, it, it seems like they just lost even more and they don't have as much of a, a solid recruiting foundation so we only have utah state favored in four games and that's probably going to shock a lot of people and and i hope that's wrong i mean i hope uh that utah state is is going to be better than that a big reason uh perhaps for that is they get dragged down quite a bit um by gary anderson's head coach rating just his uh, oregon state tenure really just sort of uh, tore all the, the goodwill he had statistically. Um, so State will do that to you. <laughs> it, it, it certainly can. Um, so uh, based on what we've seen, you know, Wyoming's already been hit by the injury bug quite a bit. So that might be an opportunity for Utah State to, to rise up as well. Um, but it seems like this division is still Boise State's um, until, you know, <laughs> till proven otherwise. What do you think, Xavier? Is this all just Boise State and nobody else? Yeah, which is why I'm going to keep it a little shorter and sweeter. But Boise State's one of those teams in the Group 5 that I, when I watch them play, I more so want to compare them almost to the Power 5 than the, the Group of 5 that they might be in. So for me, Boise State, for me, has to show me a lot in the Florida State game. If they get stomped in the Florida State game, then I'm more inclined to maybe go along with what Nick is saying about you know the lack of returning production and things of that nature. But if they stick with Florida State, then I still think that they're shoulders above everybody else in the conference, and especially in the division. Um, and and we talked about he talked about Wyoming. I just think they just don't have the talent to match with Boise State. When I look at Wyoming, they have a very young offensive line, and they're going to have to step up for for Wyoming to have any shot of knocking off the Broncos. Uh, with that being the case, I don't see that happening. Um, and I and it's Boise State's division to lose, as Nick was saying. Yeah, I mean they they could beat Florida State, and if Florida State's what they were last year, it would tell us. We would think it would tell us a lot. And That's very wouldn't. true. Uh, well, that <laughs> yeah, is. We yeah. thought Virginia Tech was really good too. Yeah, yeah, we did for for a week. Um, <laughs> the West in the Mountain West Conference has, uh, you know, Fresno State is way up there, and they're just one spot below. Uh, Boise State in our nationwide rankings but other than that it's San Diego State then Nevada's down in the hundreds Hawaii's right around 100 UNLV's right around 100 and San Jose we don't even know what to expect out of them we (laughs) we got them favored in zero of their conference games so uh, what do you think about the west of the mountain west Nick well, so uh, Fresno State offers uh, kind of the opposite problem uh, with Utah State, at least according to how we have, have things set up in our numbers. Uh, I often refer to head coach ratings and, and that that impacts 30% of our overall power rankings. Um, and Jeff Tedford at, at Fresno State 
has done such an incredible job over the last two years, not only just from a pure wins and losses standpoint, and let's not forget that he took over a team with double-digit losses and, and immediately turned them into a division winner and a double-digit winner, um, but he's also uh, been super impressive against the spread, and that does factor into our head coach ratings because it, it shows, you know, if you're consistently beating expectations, um, in, in my opinion, and, and, you know, I set up the numbers, I guess, so it is my opinion, uh, that is important. And, and so we do uh, add uh, points for that. And, and so Fresno State is also uh, losing or must replace a lot of production from uh, last year's team, from, from the team that is a two-time defending uh, division champion. But because Jeff Tedford has done such a good job, um, we're still really high on Fresno State. Obviously, we've got them projected uh, as the favorite in 11 regular season games, including every uh, conference game that they play. Now, we don't expect it to, to turn out that way. We don't expect this this run to continue um, I'm not sure that the talent level is is quite there to be able to reload quite like Boise State has. Um, so we only actually project uh, Fresno State to win 8.4 games on average when we add up all the win probabilities. So uh, they're probably you know going to fall short of this uh, projected uh, final record. But um, still, you know this this is a good team and it is the team to beat in this division um defensively they've been incredible they returned two all-conference uh players uh michael walker was a defensive lineman he's now moved to middle linebacker um expect good things out of him and and juju hughes the strong safety um and plus they've got one of the better tight ends uh really in all of of uh the group of five conferences and in, in jared rice so there are building blocks here um but uh, part of the reason that that we're so high on them, in addition to the coach ratings, is the West has been kind of the the lesser of the two divisions for a while now. San Diego State took a big step back last year. We do expect a bit of a bounce back. Um, hopefully, Juwan Washington will will stay healthy and and fulfill his potential. I know they've tweaked the offense a little bit. Um, they've they've uh, said they're going to spread it out a little bit more. Um, Nevada really made a lot of improvements last year, showed some really good things um, offensively specifically, but they too have already had uh, injury issues. Their projected starter um, looks like is going to be out for a couple of months with a broken hand, uh, Christian Solano, and then uh, who we uh, projected as, as his top backup, Malik Henry, um, now has a hamstring issue. So uh, they may be starting a, a redshirt freshman for at least the first couple of weeks um, before those things settle out. So um, not sure if Nevada is really going to, you know, challenge Hawaii uh, really did some great things last year. Cole McDonald, you know, put up huge numbers. Uh, the passing game, the run and shoot is, is always fun to watch. And, and uh, particularly probably if I'm a fan of any college football team, for whatever reason, I'm probably a fan of, of Hawaii. I just have always <laughs> it means loved your day's over. <laughs> it, it pretty much, I guess, you know, they're there. I, I, I pull up the iPad at, at uh, midnight Eastern and, and sit down with the stadium app and, and uh, the uh, announcing team there locally is just the best. So uh, I, I do love watching Hawaii, but 
they have a much tougher schedule this year. They they didn't play in a, uh, one Power Five team last season, and they were able to navigate sort of a, a very manageable schedule to get to a bowl game. But this year, they played three teams from the Pac-12. So we actually uh, only favor them in in six games. But of course, they play 13, so they have to win seven to get to a bowl. So uh, Hawaii is going to have to pull off an upset or two um, to to make it back to the postseason this year. But uh, until further notice, again, it, it just seems like this is Fresno State's division. San Diego State has the talent to compete, but um, it, it, it you know I, I believe in Jeff Tetford at this point. Uh, so so I. I I can't really argue with the projected standings um, as far as the order. 11 wins seems like a lot, but, you know, that's where we are at the moment. I like your note that you have here, Xavier. 11 wins with that much youth? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And that's, you know, that was an amazing segue from Nick talking about the 11 win total. I just don't see them pulling off 11 wins. We look at the Fresno State schedule. I, I don't even start, I don't even know if I see them starting off with two wins, depending on how they play against USC and Minnesota. I think that's where you get your two losses from, and thus not 11 wins. Uh, the rest <laughs> of their schedule, as you said... Uh, math you know, checks out. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> simple simple math here on the uh, CFB Winning Edge podcast. Uh, when you look at the rest of their schedule, I think they could run the table and, and, and win all 10 of those games. But, you know, I'm just looking at those first two, and I'm, I'm very skeptical of them winning those when you have, I think, just a lot of youth in, in places that there doesn't need to be. Um, when you look at their their production points and the amount of games started from each position group, linebackers for games started, zero. Um, the amount of games and the defensive backs, only two have played over 10 games out of the entire defensive back core. When you look at the receivers, uh, one person has made up for... 20 out of the 21 games started from all of the receivers combined. That just doesn't bode well for me when it comes to an early season big-time matchups. You know, you're, you're just going to find yourself trying to get acclimated way too quickly when you have to go play USC in week one. And a Minnesota team, which we talked about um, in a couple podcasts ago, and you can go see that if you want to, is going to be coming to town the next week. That's not That doesn't bode well for youth. As far as San Diego State is concerned, um, what your, your your word for them, Nick, is bounce back. But it's going to be very tough to bounce back when you have the issues that they have at their the two most important positions in football, the offensive line and the defensive line. You know, none of these guys, one of the offensive linemen is rated above an 80 that played last season for the team. The other ones are transfers. And their defensive line, according to our numbers, is just not great. Um, and I think that that's going to be an issue when you want to bounce back in any way, shape, or form or fashion. Your old line and defensive line are going to have to be something that you can rely on at times. And if you can't, then you're not going to go very far at all. all in, right. in my defense, yeah, I, I did write bounce, bounce back. <laughs> bounce <So>. back. <laughs> I'm Nick, I will say, Yeah, I will say, Nick, I'm surprised of how little you went into depth about Hawaii. If anybody follows Nick <laughs> on Twitter, you would know that he has a secret infatuation. I don't even think it's a secret at this point. An infatuation with Hawaii and the Rainbow Warriors. You can see him retweeting some of their offensive workouts, uh, offseason <laughs> workouts. Excuse me. So uh, yeah, I'm shocked. Well, they're fun to watch in the last game of the night usually because they're on. Uh, the far, far East Coast for most people. For me, it's uh, West Coast, I mean. Uh, f- for me, it's just, uh, 
hey, that's the last game of the night. All right, I'm going to record a podcast at halftime and then go to bed and get ready for NFL Sunday. That, that's how Hawaii is to me. Uh, let's move to Conference USA here, Nick. And uh, we'll start out in the Eastern Conference and Conference USA. And we have Charlotte, Western Kentucky, Old Dominion, FIU, Middle Tennessee, FAU, and the Marshall Thundering Herd. No one ranks over 60 in this uh, conference as far as nationwide uh, rankings go for us. But there's some fun teams here. I mean, FIU uh, could have a ton of talent. Marshall uh, looks to have a very, very strong defense. FAU's offense is always pretty good with Lane Kiffin there, but Devin Singletary's gone, so how is that going to impact them? What do you think of the Eastern portion of Conference USA? Yeah, so uh, in the East, it, it seems like, um, at least according to our projected, you know, who's favored in, in which games, uh, could be... Uh, runaway is not the not the right word. They're actually only uh, one game better in, in our projections. But the distance between Marshall and FAU at the top seems significant because uh, Marshall is that team um, that is uh, borderline 60s. They're at number 62 nationally uh, in our team strength ratings. And, and a big reason for that is uh, the defense. I mean, statistically, they were a top 25 defense in, in a lot of the traditional um, uh, metrics uh, last season. And then when you look through our team pro Profiles and, and through the uh, position and unit rankings, um, this is not just a good G5 defense. Uh, this is a is a top 35 defense, top to bottom, uh, from a roster strength standpoint. Uh, their defensive line is is uh, 43rd in the country, uh, and that's after they lost Ty Tyler to transfer to uh, Louisville, who is a 100 rated player uh, according to our VGR Plus metric. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, up front they're they're missing a, a key piece, but this is still the best defensive line in the conference. They also have the best linebacking core and they have the best secondary. Um, the linebacking core is, is a top 25 unit nationally, according to our roster strength numbers. They've got three starters above a 90 rating, uh, and they actually were able to pluck one of those, uh, Fermin Silva, from FIU as a grad transfer. So I'm um, not sure how that happened, but, you know, hey, you, you lose Ty Tyler and you bring in Silva, that's, that's a pretty good uh, trade if you've got to make it. Um, and then they've also got a 100-rated uh, safety in Malik Grant and a guy knocking on the door, a 97 uh, cornerback, Chris Jackson. So they've got elite defense, at least uh, as far as the G5 goes. And so I am not very surprised to see them atop uh, our division standings and projected uh, to win 10 games if, if they were to, uh, you know, win all the games they're supposed to win. Um, offensively, I've, I've got a few questions. They were able uh, to add a uh, transfer from Kentucky, Tavin Richardson, who, who should step in and be an immediate impact player. Um, and they've got some other good pieces to work with. Tyler King and Brendan Knox at running back have, have done some good things. So, you know, top to bottom, this seems like the team to beat in the East. Uh, FAU and FIU will definitely challenge, though. I mean, FAU, we saw two years ago that 
they can compete with anybody uh, when things are clicking. Last year, obviously, things were not. And, of course, they they did have a change at offensive coordinator. They lost Kendall Bryles, and, and that did seem uh, to hurt them quite a bit. But uh, this team is is still talented. They lost a lot of their roster strength from last year. Um, but, you know, they've got good pieces. At receiver, Willie Wright is an exciting player, has done a lot of good things. Uh, at tight end, Harrison Bryant might be, uh, you know, I said Jared Rice for, for Fresno, but Harrison Bryant's definitely in the conversation uh, as far as top G5 uh, tight end. You know, uh, there are there are pieces. There are some talented players. Uh, Kiffin has obviously brought in uh, some transfers over the last few years. Um, so I have to think that they're going to be in the mix we expect them to be favored in eight games. Um, Middle Tennessee, probably going to take a step back um, after uh, losing a longtime uh, starting quarterback there, Brent Stockstill. Um, FIU uh, has the talent, uh, really a, a top uh, we have them ranked third in in roster strength and fourth in the average two four seven rating in the conference. So uh, they they can go toe to toe with everybody, but their schedule doesn't set up particularly well. So we only have them uh, ranked fourth in this division as far as uh, the projected standings. But uh, a lot of good teams towards the top. Seems like perhaps some bad teams down at the bottom. Um, but uh, you know. Marshall, to me, is a clear number one, but that two, three, four uh, should be a fun race to watch. Some some interesting and, and really some talented teams there. How are you breaking down the East here, Xavier? It's Marshall and then everybody else. I see you have the 2000 Ravens. I think maybe you're uh, overstepping your bounds there. But uh, <laughs> uh, the defense is very strong, of course. What I... What, when I look at this team, the reason why I picked the 2000 Ravens and not somebody like the, the 85 Bears was because when you look at the quarterback situation, I see it very similar to that Ravens team where they literally split up the season between two different quarterbacks. Um, I think the same thing could happen at Marshall. I wouldn't be surprised if both Isaiah Green and Alex Thompson split time at the quarterback position. But it won't matter because that defense is just that talented, especially for this conference and pretty much, you know, I, I think, you know, most conferences, this defense would hold its own at, at the very least. But in, in this in a conference USA in particular, this conf- this defense is ridiculous. We have them ranked first in every category at defensive line, linebacker and DB. And two out of those three uh, linebacker and uh, defensive back, we have them ranked in the top 35. I, I think that that shows how much talent is here. Um, and, and if you're an NFL scout, you know, you might want to go to to Marshall and watch a couple Thundering Herd games, uh, you know, wink, wink, go ahead and do that. Um, I think that it is a one-horse race in this situation. I just don't think FAU and FIU have the talent that they've had. If you had to pick one, who would it be? Out of the out of FI, FAU and FIU? Yes. FAU. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they, they're the sleeper. They're most well-rounded. Um, so, yeah. All right, let's go to Conference USA West where we have some better teams here, but the bottom dwellers are uh, brutal. Rice, UTEP, (laughs) UTSA, Southern Miss, you know. All right, we mentioned you. Now uh, you get into the top here, UAB, North Texas, and Louisiana Tech. Uh, These teams are a lot of fun to watch here, Nick, and uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of these three teams, and their offenses specifically should be a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, it's funny that you lump uh, that you lumped Southern Miss in there because if if you look over at our uh, projected wins and losses uh, in the division, we actually have those top four teams all at six and two. So really, it's a it's a four way tie for first, despite the fact that Southern Miss is eighth in our Conference USA. Uh, power rating. So uh, their schedule sets up pretty well, and that is an experienced team. They could make life difficult for the top half of this division, but uh, you know, on paper, Louisiana Tech is is a clear number one. Um, they're ranked 61st in the country, which one spot ahead of Marshall. So for that number one spot in Conference USA, uh, we have them favored in nine games. They've got talent on defense not quite as much as Marshall but they do come in second in the league at defensive line second in the secondary and fourth at linebacker so uh, overall it's a very solid unit a top 60 unit nationally offense is actually slightly better this is our number one offense from a roster strength standpoint Um, they've got a top 30 quarterback room I perhaps I uh, in particular, I'm a, a fan of Jamar Smith. I think um, he has had a, a long uh, history. He started 27 games. He's put up 10 production points, which to get to double-digit production points is, is kind of an elite uh, group. So um, he has had a very uh, solid career, and, and I expect him to, to have a good senior season as well. And, and Smith has some weapons to work with. I mean, Jacque Stancy at, at running back, Adrian Hardy at receiver and, and Alfred Smith as well. They also got a transfer Isaiah Graham uh, in there that we have projected to start. So, um, and, and again, I, I glossed over it on, on defense, but need to mention Amik Robertson uh, has 23 career production points, which is the second most of any defensive player in the country uh, among active players, as far as our numbers go. So Louisiana tech has uh, a, the, the number one rated offense and the number two rated defense, that's a pretty good combination, seem to be a clear number one. But perhaps they don't have the elite uh, players, the, the top-end players that North Texas does. Mason Fine uh, has put up 24 production points, which is more than any quarterback in the country uh, active. So so that is very impressive. He's started 36 games so far Um and I saw just just the other day. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at the uh, PFF yes, uh, yes. draft. Well, he's he's very high on their quarterback he, rankings. He's in like general. four, I think. Yeah, yeah. and but, I, I was surprised because uh, he's kind of a short guy. So he is listed at five eleven, and that might be uh, you know that might be giving him an inch or two. Yeah, uh, but um, in their draft guide, he is a top fifty overall player in the NFL draft guide. So um, that was a bit of a surprise, but, you know, he's put up huge production and, and perhaps we've, you know, shattered the glass ceiling a little bit for short quarterbacks. So uh, Mason Fine, great player. DeAndre Torrey is uh, one of the better running backs in the league. Rico Busey, one of the top receivers in the league. So North Texas should put up a lot of points. They will uh, give Louisiana Tech a run for their money. Um, as far as our numbers go, the main issue seems to be uh, linebacker. They just they they fall short at that position compared to the others. Uh, so that that probably is the difference um, in our uh, win projections here. But North Texas is going to be a lot of fun to watch and and definitely a threat in the West. Wouldn't be shocked to see them win the division and and then you know win the conference ga- uh, title game as well. What do you think about the West here, Xavier? 
you know, when when you look at the West, for me, Louisiana Tech has the best talent. The only concern for me is their O-line. They have a lot of experience in their offensive line, but sometimes, you know, old experience, but that hasn't stepped up yet, isn't always a good thing. Sometimes they continue to make the same mistakes. And they're going to need to step up this year um, if they want to go ahead and run away with this uh, with this division. And, you know, as Nick said, it, we have them projected as all going 6-2. and two. And I think for Louisiana Tech to to go A and O, it's going to be on the back of that offensive line stepping up. Um, when you look at North Texas, one player that I want to uh, highlight is uh, Rico Bussey Jr. Uh, this guy has just continued to uh, make strides and become better every single year. And going into his senior season, I look to him to be a guy to lead that offense. Uh, last year, he had a thousand yards receiving. I think he could do that again. Um, and maybe even better than that, maybe somewhere in the 1300 to 1400 range. I think that he's someone to look at. And I see here that UAB is projected to go nine and three, Nick, as a person who has a soft spot for the Blazers. That would be absolutely amazing um, for them to do that, though. They're going to do it off the back of Spencer Brown, who last year went for 1200 yards. And the year before that went for 1300 yards. So we know that he's the bell cow. We know that that's who they rely on. Um, and he, they're going to have to rely on him again this year. You know, uh, last year he had 272 attempts i wouldn't be surprised if he hit the 300 mark this year and uh you might have to for uab to have that nine and three record all right let's move on to the mac which uh you know when you're looking at the mac may not be super (laughs) fun but it makes the sun belt look like this is the sec here uh so uh starting out you got a you got a sunbelt guy sunbelt kid (laughs) well i mean i i didn't hear your arguing points so i just (laughs) i i I understand what you're talking about i understand it hurts sometimes you know look i'm a i'm a diamondbacks fan so uh i I get it (laughs) you know uh akron we'll start out in the east here akron uh has some fun players to watch but we've got them ranked way, way down here at 114 and 1 and 7 projected in the conference. Bowling Green is down here. Uh, you know, new coaches, so we'll see how that goes. Kent State is down here as well in the, you know, post 100s. Buffalo lost a lot on offense. They're going to be down here a little bit. Miami of Ohio is, you know, conference rank is all right, but nation nationally, we've got them below 100. And Ohio. Uh, the Bobcats are one of the best teams in this conference, if not the best. But uh, it's Rourke, and then it's everybody else surrounding Rourke. Uh, Rourke. So it's uh, how, how do you suss this out here, Nick? Well, uh, the reason Ohio is uh, the favorite in this division, uh, as far as our team strength ratings go, um, it, it sort of ties into what Xavier said about UAB. Um, I glossed over the fact that UAB is favored in nine games, which is pretty remarkable considering how much uh, production they lost and sort of the total roster rebuild that's that's required there. But a big reason is he's the top-rated coach in uh, the conference there and a top 20 national ranked uh, as far as his head coach rating goes. Well, Frank Solich is similar. He's he's number two in head coach rating in the MAC, but he's uh, a couple of spots even higher than Clark at number 16 nationally. So Solich has done a, a tremendous job at Ohio um, as far as they, they're one of the most consistent programs in the MAC. They're always a threat. They just haven't quite uh, sort of gotten over the hump quite yet. So um, I do trust 
Frank Solich to win this division. And it certainly helps that he's got um, the best quarterback in the league and Nathan Rourke, who who is a, as good a dual threat quarterback as you will find. Um, he got a mention in, in a recent thing I wrote for AthlonSports.com uh, as a as a, you know, theoretical G5 Heisman contender. Um, so Rourke is, is going to put up some huge numbers and they always seem to find a running back. They always seem to find a weapon or two for him to utilize on the outside. And even though their defense uh, for our numbers ranks in the triple digits at all three levels, uh, usually um, a, a, you know, team that's coached as well as Ohio is, is going to be sound uh, somewhat defensively. I know they they did have some struggles at times last year, particularly against the pass, but um, this seems to be the clear team to beat in the East. Uh, Miami has a favorable schedule. I mean, you mentioned it. They're only the seventh uh, rated team in the MAC and 101st nationally, but we have them second in this division as far as their final standings go. And that's because uh, we have them projected to beat Buffalo, who uh, will have the same conference record if everything were to shake out exactly as our numbers say, which of course, you know, isn't going to happen. But um, Buffalo lost a ton, but Lance Leopold is the number one rated head coach in the MAC, according to our metrics. So uh, we expect Buffalo, who lost more roster strength points than any other team in the country. We expect them to, to take a small step back, but because Leopold um, is still in charge there, you know, we, we trust him and expect um, that they will uh, be a top uh, half team in, in the division at least, and, and you know, potentially uh, contend for the Mac East title again this year. What do you think about this East, Xavier? Well, we, with Ohio, he he mentioned Rourke, but my favorite player and the player I, I saw when I was when we were doing our homework throughout the week was Javon Hagen, uh, a six-one cornerback who we have rated uh, ninety plus in our BGR plus ratings for this team. I have him as a sleeper. Uh, I know I said sleeper first rounder, but I'm gonna retract that statement uh, from our notes. And I, and I think that this guy could be a gem in the draft. That's what I put him as. Uh, he's got great size. Great ability, uh, great range at being at 6'1". And with all these freakish receivers coming out of college, you need taller corners in the NFL now. And uh, with a guy who's had five-plus pass deflections a year at um, Ohio and has had uh, six interceptions in his entire career, he is somebody that I would look for um, come the draft. Um, But Ohio is far and away, in my opinion, the best team. When you look at Ohio, uh, Miami of Ohio, the problems with them is they, you have QB questions. Their offense and defensive line are the best parts of their teams, which will always keep you in games. However, I always stress, and I've stressed over the last couple of weeks, when you have problems at quarterback, the rest of your team just can't get going. Um, and you will see that from Miami of Ohio this year. Um, as far as Buffalo, I didn't even know how much turnover there, ha- there was on this team. Uh, and that is a huge issue. I stressed it earlier in this podcast. And you know, even the returning production that they get on the defensive line isn't great. And I think that that's also an issue. Um, when you look at their defense, they're not highly ranked in the conference. We have them ranked seventh and eighth in the conference in all of their positions on defense. And since your d- defense can't carry a returning offense with almost zero production, that's going to be an issue. So we definitely do, do see them having a dip. 
All right, moving over to the west of the MAC, the bottom gets a little bit better. It's still not great, but Central Michigan, <laughs> Ball State, Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, these are fun teams to watch. You could see them be, they're just a little bit more competitive than the Akron's, the Bowling Greens, and the Kent States. That's all I'm trying. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings here. I, I'm just saying. Too late. You know, <laughs> Western <laughs> Michigan uh, is up number one. We have them, uh, we have them number one in the conference. And uh, Toledo has got to be up here as well. So who do you think is going to win out in this side of the West here with Toledo and Western Michigan, Nick? Well, if everything goes according to the numbers, which, you know, <laughs> we can't assume that's going to happen. But if everywhere, if everything were to play out exactly as our projection said, uh, Toledo, who is the third rated team in the MAC overall, uh, is actually uh, expected to beat Western Michigan. So uh, these are the two top uh, talented teams in the MAC. Uh, they're they're really you know kind of one and two alone ahead of everybody else from a, from a talent standpoint as far as roster strength and two four seven uh, ratings go. Um, so it'll definitely be a battle to see which one comes out ahead. Um, Toledo does get uh, the advantage of of playing at home, so they're. Uh, favored to win that game in our preseason projections, um, but it'll it'll be a great race uh, regardless. I mean, both of these teams have some talent on offense. Um, the uh, quarterback position, uh, really for for Toledo, just health in general is going to be uh, key. They lost Mitchell uh, Gadani last year midway through the season. He had done some really great things, both as a runner and as a passer. Um, one of the most effective quarterbacks in the league when healthy. Um, they really, it would be great to get a full season out of him, but at least they do have a proven backup in Eli Peters if, if something were to go wrong. But um, there, there are some injury concerns. A, a couple of uh, receivers uh, were banged up last year. The offensive line um, has already lost uh, the, the best player on the line. I mean, Bryce Harris was an all-MAC performer. 31 starts as a center. Uh, he has uh, a severe knee injury that's going to cost him the entire season. Uh, but this still, at least on paper, looks like uh, one of the top offensive line units in the conference. So uh, Toledo has a little bit of, of uh, room for uh, error uh, that maybe some of the other teams in the conference, uh, especially this side of the division, uh, don't have. Um, but uh, if anybody's going to challenge, it seems like uh, Western Michigan uh, would be the one. I mean, we've, we've got them rate uh, number one as far as um, the, our roster strength metrics in the conference. They, too, have some injury concerns at quarterback John Wasink. Um, missed some time last year, but Levante Bellamy, it seems, is going to be the bell cow. I mean, he he is a uh, uh, one of the the best running backs in this league, probably the best running back uh, in the conference. Um, expect some some big things from him, especially now that he seems to be uh, the surefire number one starter. Should get a, a lot of carries, and uh, you know, Dwayne Eskridge at, at uh, receiver looks like he. Uh, has an opportunity to to really step up and be the number one guy now that they uh, lost uh, last year's star to uh, transfer. Um, Reed, but, right? Uh, and then, yeah, Reed. Uh, uh, Jaden Reed, Jayden Reed. Uh, went to, to Michigan State. So um, Eskridge has a, has a chance to do some great things. And um, overall, uh, this 
is a is a an elite linebacking core as well. It's a top twenty unit nationally. All three starters uh, have a ninety two or better rating. So a lot of pieces, a lot a very solid foundation at Western Michigan. I think they uh, obviously would would uh, not be surprised if they end up beating Toledo and and uh, winning this division. But a uh, couple of interesting teams in the middle, Eastern Michigan. I mean, the coaching job that Chris Creighton has done there is remarkable. Beat Just, Purdue they last were, year, so absolutely, and 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 they're always a threat. I mean, they they play above uh, their talent level consistently, so they're always a dangerous team. And then Northern Northern Illinois gets gets uh, a big penalty in our metrics for having a first time first year head coach, Thomas Hammock, who uh, was hired former NFL uh, position coach. There's a there's a good chance that they're going to end up better than our uh, preseason projections here. We only have them favored in five games. Expect them to win five and a half. So they should be you know contending for a bowl. But uh, would not be surprised if Northern Illinois um, makes a move and, and competes with Toledo and, and Western Michigan in the division. They just get hurt a little bit uh, because of a, a first time head coach. What do you think of the MAC West here, Xavier? Are you a Eastern Michigan guy? Western Michigan guy, are you still on Toledo? What do you think here? I'm a big Western Michigan guy. I just looking throughout their talent, they're a very well-rounded team. And in my notes, I put that they have one of the best front sevens um, in doing our homework in the group of five. And when you have a defense that stout, you're always going to be in a ball game. But sometimes defense that good wins you games as well. And when we look at just their you know rankings as far as the MAC is concerned, their defense is ranked first or second in every single group. And offensively as well, they're ranked in the top five in every group except for quarterback. This team, in my opinion, is going to do better than what we have projected at seven wins. And I think that they could win the MAC West. Uh, I know a lot of Toledo fans might not like that. But, you know, when it, when I look at Toledo, I want to see them stay healthy. I know Nick Lee alluded to that. And I know that Bryce Harris is going to be out for the year and or miss significant time. And for me, when you lose a center, it's going to take the rest of the offensive line a little bit of a while to get, you know, back uh, steady, in my opinion. When you lose a center, an all-conference center, you know, he's not only the the brains of the offensive line, but he's also probably the vocal leader in the huddle. He also, you know, makes a point when it comes to the quarterback position as well, making sure that they're in the right checks and right audibles for the O-line. And that could hinder the offensive line a little bit. You know, they have some 82-plus rated players at right guard and left tackle. Uh, but that center position is something I'm looking forward to seeing how they, you know, acclimate uh, Luke. I don't want to butcher this last name, Dorger, um, at the center position, who is a junior. So he's got some time under his belt, but I want to see how he does in the new role. All right, let's go to the Sun Belt. And, uh, <laughs> and Xavier is the only one excited. Uh, but <laughs> going to the Sun Belt in the east. Uh, you know, we've got Georgia State, Coastal Carolina. I can't even. What are? What is Coastal Carolina? What? What? What is their mascot? Chanticleers. 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 Yes. I don't think I've ever heard of that before, right now. So you did that before I transferred to Georgia State. <laughs> App State, of course, is in here. Troy, uh, who returns a great roster, but obviously changing coaches, and Georgia Southern, and possibly. The most interesting story of the season to happen in this conference has already happened with Shai Wirtz, uh, yes. you know, subsequent <laughs> arrest. And then, uh, no, 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 our bad. No, no, no. Uh, you know, that that was 
Very, very interesting. I know today, I, it might have been as we were recording this, or it might have been earlier, I can't remember, but I know he went on CNN to talk about what happened. So mm-hmm. uh, there's obviously a lot of discussion around that. But, Nick, getting back to football here, uh, I kind of like App State. I like Zach Thomas. I like Corey Sutton when he's not being a, a, a dumbass. So what <laughs> what's going on in the East here? Because it feels like, uh, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, between App State, Troy, and Georgia Southern. Yeah, and and uh, I, I said it with Utah State, and I, I um, you know, I've said it a couple of times, Cincinnati, a couple of other times throughout our preview series. Um, I really was shocked when the numbers uh, said that Appalachian State is actually only the sixth rated team in the Sun Belt. And again, a big reason for that, we are very, very hard on first-time, first-year head coaches. And uh, Scott Satterfield did such a great job at App State. The drop from him to Eli Drinkwitz, who could you know, turn out to be uh, – you know, the, the greatest head coach of all time. Who knows? Uh, we just we have a completely blank slate with him. And obviously he did some great things at NC State, uh, put together some really good offenses. Last year in particular, they were, you know, clicking on all cylinders um, at, at, you know, every skill position uh, had guys, you know, drafted or, or in the mix and, and had a first round offensive lineman, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So obviously he's got a good track record, um, but uh, only as an assistant, you know, as, as an offensive play caller has done some good things. And, and the way we run our numbers, we don't give first time head coaches the benefit of the doubt. If we did, if we gave them an average rating, if we gave uh, Drinkwitz an, an average head coach rating, this would be the number one team in the Sun Belt. But uh, we don't operate that way. And uh, so we only have them favored in seven games. Now, uh, get a few wins under his belt that number will jump up and and throughout the course of the season uh, we could see those numbers change. They could quickly become the favorite in the conference. But right now there are tribal Georgia Southern is the number one team. And, and uh, the Shywert situation uh, was crazy just to, to, to see it uh, play out over the period of a week. Um, I, we don't need to, to, dive in too deep on it if you do want an in-depth discussion and and there are some themes here that are much more important than football uh the the most recent episode of uh podcast ain't played nobody uh did a great job kind of going into ins and outs of sort of what all is at play there um and i I definitely would recommend uh listening to that if you've got the chance if you if you want to hear more about um the situation around shy words arrest and release and and sort of all the uh things that that went into it but uh on the field and as far as an option quarterback a, a running quarterback He's uh, he's about as good as it gets and and has done some really good things and excited to see him uh, back on the field this year. Um, And they are our uh, favorite in the East, uh, in part, in large part uh, because of him. He's he's highly rated an 86 overall rating based on uh, 11 career production points. Troy also has a first time first year head coach, so uh, they would be a bit higher um, if not for. Uh, Chip Lindsey getting uh, that baseline rating for a first-time head coach. This is the second most talented team as far as um, our both of our talent metrics go. Uh, so do expect some good things out of Troy. All three of these teams should compete in the East. You know, Coastal Carolina and Georgia State 
<laughs> yeah, it could it could be rough. I mean, the, the Panthers do rank third in the conference as far as their average two four seven sports rating. I do, do want to mention that they have raised the baseline talent level, but it's a pretty inexperienced team uh, for the most part. I know they've got some good pieces, particularly a quarterback um, Dan Ellington. Is that is that yes. correct? Uh, is is a, is a solid player and, and and an exciting player and also a dual threat, but. Um, as far as at least our numbers go, it looks like Coastal Carolina and Georgia State might be headed for double-digit di- double losses. Um, but part of that is because, really, the top of the East is, is strong. All right, Xavier, the, the East of your favorite Sunbelt Conference. I mean, <laughs> wow. who, who are you kind of picking <laughs> between App State, Troy, and Georgia Southern? Well, just before I get started, I see Nick tried to, to, to butter me up a little bit by giving a little bit of Georgia State <laughs> lingo there at the end. Um, I understand, Nick. Georgia State's not a great team. I'm not expecting them to be this year at all. Um, when I look at the top of the East, though, it's got to, for me, it's App State's to lose simply because of, well, history. App State has won or been a part of the champion, been a champion of the Sun Belt, I believe it's three out of the last five years. And my moniker for them is, well, they stay on top of the mountain. Um, until they get knocked off, I'm looking for App State to at least challenge up there. For Georgia Southern, obviously they get Shy Wirtz back. Um, his he was you know his season and his the rest of his career was up in the air. But now that they get them back, Georgia Southern is obviously a contender. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and wow, um, what a turn of events in that uh, situation. But you know they they don't have an easy start to their schedule whatsoever. I believe they start their schedule off with LSU, and that's just never fun for a G5 school at all to have to play such a Power Five conference, uh, Power Five team in LSU. Um, but for Troy, I think it's going to be Troy that wins overall. And the reason why I have them winning is because they get Georgia Southern and App State both at home. That is a turn in this season that I think is going to be beneficial for them. And unless they slip up to Georgia State, maybe um, I think that having that home field advantage could propel them to winning the the division and being on top of the division. All right. Last uh, half a conference here. We got the Sunbelt West, which should be a little bit more uh, competitive than the East because you have a bunch of teams that are kind of lumped in here. Uh, South Alabama, maybe not. Uh, we got them not projected to win any conference games. Uh, they got a lot of, of stuff to replace there, but Texas state uh, is okay. But Arkansas State, ULM, and the Raging Cajuns it should be uh, a lot of fun to watch, particularly on offense here, Nick, and kind of break down the West. And is there a chance for Texas State or South Alabama to make an impact here? You know, it, 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 I'm glad you led with that Texas State question. Uh, Texas State is one of the, the most uh, I, I'm most excited, perhaps, to to try and find a Texas State game uh, this year than maybe any other team in the G5. I uh, am am super intrigued with the the direction they went in their head coaching search. They brought in Jake Spavital from West Virginia, who was the right hand man for Dana Holgerson there uh, for a long time, and he has a background at uh, Texas A&M and and has has been in some you know some big spots and been part of a lot of offensive success the other uh exciting part of the equation is their offensive coordinator hire spavital brought in uh bob stitt former uh colorado school of mines head coach and was also most recently the head coach at montana uh didn't work out for him there but stitt if 
for those who are unaware, is, is kind of a folk hero among coaches. Um, he is just a, a crazy, inventive guy, uh, has developed a lot of uh, very interesting things that have become uh, just a part of what we see every Saturday now, uh, different ways to get, you know, the ball in the hands of your best player. And, and so I'm excited, uh, to watch Texas state on the rare occasion. I'll, I'll be able to, to fit them into my viewing schedule. Um, but, uh, I'm excited to see what, what happens with them. And they do, uh, have a, a very highly ranked linebacking core as well. So, uh, they should, they should be more, uh, interesting than usual, we'll say, but, it does seem like a, a big hill to climb uh, in this side of the division. Arkansas State has been uh, very good, very consistent under Blake Anderson. Uh, they do have the number one pure talent rating in the conference as far as the average 247 ratings go. Um, so they're starting at an advantage there. Uh, do have some turnover. Quarterback, you know, going to have to uh, replace a lot of production there, but um, should be uh, very good from top to bottom and, and definitely a, a contender. Uh, but our, our number one team, and actually the, the team that we uh, expect to run through the Sun Belt unscathed is uh, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. And Billy Napier has, has quickly done a, a very impressive job uh in lafayette offensively they've they've got a lot of weapons the running back uh core is one of the deepest probably in all the g5 um they, they've just got a lot of talent there um we have them projected to win or to be favored in 11 games which is uh you know uh, pretty pretty unprecedented for for the history of that program at, at least at the um fbs level so uh, we expect a lot out of louisiana uh but uh they will they will be um you know it will be a battle i mean the the rival ulm uh has the offensive talent uh, to compete. Obviously they've got uh, one of the uh, both actually Louisiana and ULM have the two most experienced offensive lines in the country. Uh, so that that's definitely something to watch, but ULM perhaps has an edge at the quarterback position. So uh, that's always, you know, if you want to have an edge one place that that's probably the one you're, you're going to pick. Um, so a lot of, a lot of fun things could happen in the Sun Belt. Um, I could see this, conference this division shaking out in a lot of different ways it looks like according to our numbers that louisiana is a, a huge favorite um because that 11 and 1 record but they're only one uh spot 84th ahead of number 85 troy as far as our team strength rating so uh, a lot of teams are packed in uh tight you know number number six appalachian state is 98th so not much separation between the the top and the middle of the conference should be a lot of fun to watch it play out xavier what do you think of the sunbelt west i think it's ull's division to lose um and it's going to be based off the back of trey regas or regus regus uh, regus okay um 1100 yards last year on 200 carries wouldn't be surprised if that turns into 1400 yards on 300 carries they're going to be relying a lot on him as he is the best player on the offense as nick alluded to the offensive line has a lot of experience and with a lot of experience and a great running back we already know what ull is going to do uh this conference is very top i won't say top heavy there's a lot of talent uh in this conference i think that 
it's going to be a fun conference to watch this year. Um, with all this talent, though, it doesn't bode well for my Georgia State Panthers. But uh, nevertheless, it's going to be a fun conference to watch. But ULL and the Sunbelt West, it's their division to lose, in my opinion. Um, I'm looking forward to the ULM game because uh, rivalry games, you never know what's going to happen. Um, and that could be a, a pitfall for, Louis, uh, for ULL this year. Uh, but all things point to ULL you know, running away with the West. Gentlemen, we have covered all of the teams uh, in FBS here. So uh, we are done covering teams. Nick, next week, what are we doing? We're taking a look at those Week 0 games, maybe making some predictions. What do you think? Yes. We're talking about actual games oh, next man. week. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And you, 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 I, I, I restrained myself uh, because I knew next week that I was going to be able to talk about Hawaii for about 45 minutes. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, because, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Rainbow Warriors a lot next week. That's right. Uh, stick around for the Rainbow Warrior cast that will be next week. And remember, you can find us all on the Twitter, at CFB Winning Edge, at Xavier Trish, at Bogman Sports. And Nick, just refresh everyone about what the Patreon is and what uh, involves, you know, what everyone can get with it. Absolutely. So if you want to support this podcast, if you want to support uh, the three of us and the research that we're doing and the numbers we're producing, uh, and, and, you know, if you want to see how your team stacks up or if you want to see how all 130 teams or how all 11,000 FBS players stack up against one another. Uh, we've done all of that. We've uh, created a set of Google Sheets that we share with all of our patrons um, that uh, provide just a ton of information. Um, our Tier 1 supporters get updated depth charts and injury reports. Our Tier 2 uh, patrons get those individual player ratings, the team rankings. All of that is updated daily. Uh, and then our top level or our Tier 3 patrons get just you know, an incredible amount of information. You can download and save all of these databases uh, from the first two tiers and, and do your own research with all of that. So patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. Uh, it starts at $5 a month, goes up from there. Um, and uh, we would love to, to have your support, uh, help us to grow, help us to create uh, better content uh, for you out there. All right. We will see you guys next week. We're talking about actual games. Until then, have a great week, everybody.